Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next, ooh, four hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. until 3 a.m., Right here on the X-Zone Radio Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Also on Radio X throughout Europe and on Talk Stream Live. If you would like to send us an email, studio at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, and our website. Yep, you've got it, www.xzoneradiotv.com. You know, October... Here in the X-Zone for the past 25 years has been a month of ghosts, goblins, hauntings, exorcism, things that go bump in the night. And tonight is going to be no different, X-Zone Nation. My first guest tonight is uh, Charles Harrington, and uh, he is the author of a very interesting book entitled Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island. All right, X-Zone Nation, it's one of those nights in the fall perfect i mean a perfect night for going out there and getting into haunted and strange places so put on a comfortable pair of shoes or boots to to journey through four self-guided walking and biking tours on the strange and haunted locations across some lesser known regions of rhode island tales of mythical monsters ghosts and spirits from a murder or two may greet you as you explore Prudence Island, Newport, Jamestown, and the surrounding areas. Meet fabled half-deer, half-goat, which is called a doat, a demonic dog that has been scaring visitors for centuries, and ghosts that may be slightly more welcoming. Find out whether the Newport Tower is the true location of the lost Viking city of Norumbega, and visit the locations made famous by Rhode Island's favorite son of horror himself, H.P. Lovercraft. Joining me now is Charles Harrington, and uh, Charles is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And uh, Charles, welcome to the X-Zone. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So tell, so tell me, have you seen a ghost? Yes, I have. Um, 
a long, long time ago. Um, I was in a, actually I was in London of all places. Mm-hmm. It was the President Hotel over by Russell Square, and it was I was just going back to my room. It was eleven thirty at night, right? And just out of the corner of my eye, I see something down the hallway. So I little gray looks almost like a shade and it went through a pair of swinging doors the doors didn't move at all mm-hmm. and it went through another door that was locked and like I swear I saw it I mean again it was late at night I was tired um, but it just that's the uh, closest experience I've had so so, so having uh, had that experience, did that have any effect on, on the book that you've written about the haunted, uh, you know, the the haunted and strange places in Rhode Island? What was your inspiration for writing the book? For the book itself, the inspiration was actually two things. It was um, I used to read a lot of Edward Rose Snow, who was a local historian in Massachusetts, wrote mostly about shipwrecks, um, and then he uh, moved on to lighthouses. And after the lighthouses, he moved on to writing about ghosts and local stale, you know, tales of monsters. and Right. Um, but there was also another book written by a guy named Henry L. Beckwith, Jr. And he wrote a guidebook back in, I think it was the 80s when it was published. And that was called Lovecraft's Providence and Adjacent Parts. Uh, what that was was actually a guidebook to downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And what it does is that it basically takes you off to different sites that Lovecraft himself mentioned in his stories, like the case of Charles Dexter Ward or the Shunned House. Mm -hmm. And from basically from the time the book was published up until like the mid-90s, Providence was undergoing such a dramatic change. There were like buildings being torn down. They actually uncovered an entire river in downtown Providence, so anyone reading that book, the one by Beckwith, would have been completely, totally lost unless they'd grown up in the area. All right, stand by. We've got to so take I... a break, Exxon Nation. This is Halloween month here in the Exxon, and our guest Charles Harrington and I return on the other side of the break. Don't go away. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com.
Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th. Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back, everyone. My guest this hour is Charles Harrington, and he's been writing travel articles for over a decade, mostly focused on Japan, where he lived for several years. After graduating from Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island, he began teaching English and writing for magazines with numerous articles being published in, is it the Kansai? Uh, it was Kansai, Kansai. Kansai Scene yep. and Kansai Time Out magazines, including a feature... Uh, retracing the footsteps of Inns Fleming's famous spy in the novel, You Only Live Twice. Charles Harrington has returned to the New England area where he continues to write the, uh, you know, about the odd and the fun. We're talking about uh, Charles's book this hour, Guide to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And uh, Charles, where can people get a copy of your book? It's actually being released November 28th. Um, it's actually on pre-order now on Amazon. Okay, great. And do you have a personal website? I don't have a personal website yet. I'm actually working with the illustrator of the book, uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Regan. We're getting a webpage together. Okay, super. For it. So. All right, so before I, I had to break us for the break, you were just telling us about, you know, downtown. Uh, they were, what were they doing, excavating, and they found a river. And So take us through that. What happened was, basically, they, they, they knew the river was there all along. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, somebody, I don't know the exact history of when the river was covered up, but it was covered up, basically, to expand downtown so that they would have more space to build on. And what they did was they basically built, I'm pretty sure it's the widest bridge in the world at the time. And what happened eventually was a lot of businesses left downtown Providence, so um, Mayor Vincent Buddy Cianci took it upon himself to um, basically have the Providence Renaissance, for lack of a better term. Actually, he might have dubbed that term. And what they did was they uh, uncovered the river. They went back, dug up the bridge. The river was back. And they put in this beautiful little park-like area right in downtown Providence by the State House between the old City Hall, which is mentioned in the guidebook. And it's this gorgeous little river walk. During the summer, they have these torch ceremonies, uh, water fire, and thousands of people go down just, like, walk along the banks. And it was one of those things that was not mentioned in the old guidebook by Beckwith. So it was like, again, anyone who hadn't grown up in the area would be completely lost going by his guidebook. And it was a great guidebook, but it's just so much has changed. So I started like, I got a copy out of the library, went down, started walking around. I'm like, oh yeah, this is where the bridge used to be. And this is where that parking lot used to be. Right. And so I started like taking, scribbling down some notes. And then, you know, started working on it from there. I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be nice. like a little interesting little guidebook. And then I said, well, you know, why stop there? We'll move on to another, you know, what, there's a lot of an island. So I started poking around. And, um, like a popular, like one of my favorite places for hiking is Prudence Island. So I remember in college reading about the dope. Half deer, half goat. It's like, it's basically, I've seen one picture of it. I think there might be only one picture of it. Mm-hmm. And it 
basically would come up to like a person's knee and it looks like a deer right. and somebody dubbed it the goat because it apparently resembled a half deer, half goat. And the picture I saw on the Bristol Phoenix was the official fuzzy photo of this unknown creature that was like bucking at a cat. And it was just like, it was just such a weird little thing. I said, Oh, you know, I go out to Prudence a lot. So I start, you know, going back out there and poking around and Mm -hmm. asking some questions about the different places and this abandoned mansion on the Northern end of the Island. And, um, you know, just essentially that was another tour. So I started thinking about, I'm like, you know what, I'll see if I can get this published. So, and that's basically where the whole thing started off from. It started off with try to rewrite the Beckwith book. So basically you're a historian. You're a historian. I'm a history alive. Yeah. Where in your opinion, I'm a big history buff. Where in your opinion are the most haunted places in Rhode Island? In Rhode Island, I'd probably have to say it's Providence itself. Hmm. Um, it seems like when I was like doing the research on Providence itself, there's Benefit Street, gorgeous street. They kept it as original as possible to what it would look like back in the 1800s. And it's one of those streets that has a classic story of, you know, family graves mm-hmm. that were allegedly not dug up when they were all moved to... I think it was the North. Whoa, what was that? I don't know. Wow. I'm going to blame a ghost. Nah, all right. Let's blame a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. No more people on here from Rhode Island. They bring the ghosts with them. Well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, I kind of lost my track with train of thought there. I was asking you where the most haunted place in Rhode Island was. Yeah, so same Providence. Um... It was Benefit Street. It's uh, allegedly there might be some graves that were missed when uh, the city of Providence went through and you know, exhumed the family plots and moved them all to one central burial ground. Um, that's touched upon in one of Lovecraft's stories called The Shunned House. And H.P. Lovecraft's story of The Shunned House is a classic. This house is cursed. It's on the side of a you know, college hill, and nobody has lived there for years. And then, of course, if you go by the house today, it's this beautiful house that's been completely, totally renovated. I've never heard of any actual hauntings at this house itself, but, you know, it's a great start. And so I think they're, you know, they're interested in it because it can't be explained. Um, I could go back and I could read history about, um, you mentioned the Ian Fleming article I wrote. Right. And, you know, I can go back and... I know Ian Fleming was a real man. I know James Bond wasn't a real man. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of the places Ian Fleming went to, yeah, those places are real. And you can go there today. Um, so, I mean, it's just essentially, it's kind of like, you go there, you see it, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, you take pictures. But it's nothing, there's nothing to debate. There's like, you know, it's kind of like, um, yeah, it's, but with a ghost Going back to the ghost story I told you about in London, you know, maybe I was too tired. Maybe it was a glass of wine or two that I had before I went to my room that was like having that effect on me. Maybe it was jet lag. So, I mean, there's a lot of debate, a lot of questions that could be raised about whether that was a ghost or not. And I can have an engagement. I could sit back, have a friendly chat about that. Yeah. So I think that's probably why a lot of people you know, still enjoy a good ghost story. It cannot be explained. There's a lot of things in life that can't be explained that that don't mm-hmm. have the same attraction that, that ghosts and hauntings do. I guess it's part of our own psyche, whether we, you know, whether we do live on past life. Is there a chance that we, that we spend more time than in just little slice of the time-space continuum that we share on this planet. So many un- untold, mm. uh, you know, so many unanswered questions when it comes to death, the hereafter, what's on the other side. And, of course, then you've got the religious philosophies that are all chipping in and giving it, it their own mm-hmm. spins. So how do you and your family celebrate Halloween? Um, actually, it's relatively low-key. Um, it, we, you know, we still, I still give candy at Halloween, trick-or-treaters mm-hmm. come to the house. Um, when I was in Osaka, I was living in Osaka, Japan for quite some time. 
uh, we would have like the traditional Halloween party where we'd all dress up in costume and ride on the train. Right. Um, I actually never t- took part in that because I was usually off with a couple of friends having a you know a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, yeah, did the trick or treating. Went out um, this time of year when I was in college, when I was in high school. My friends and I would usually run out, try to uh, go to the most haunted place we could think of. You know, we'd try to go find a ghost, and you know, we'd be sitting there in the woods occasionally with our flashlights and waiting for somebody to pop up and say "boo." <laughs> but you know, that never happened. Uh, but it was a good time. You know, we went out. We had a great time. You know, we had something to talk about, and you know, we felt brave for that mm-hmm. hour or two that we were sitting there. Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable time, and yeah, that's that's what I like to bring. That's that's my favorite memory of Halloween. So basically, what you've done in your book is incorporated mm. nine walking tours with maps, and it's basically a do-it-yourself uh, ghost tour. Essentially, it is. Um, there are four primary tours. Mm-hmm. There's one for Providence, the other one for Prudence, Newport, and Jamestown. Um, what I had to do with uh, some of the other sites was include them in there. It wasn't very linear. Like, uh, there's a great park called Fort Barton, and it's a beautiful little three miles of trail mm-hmm. going into the, the forest and by some swamps. Uh, so that's what I did was, like, for the tours themselves, yeah, I just did a lot of research, walked around, and basically kind of like Providence was the best because I had something to work with. Whereas with Newport, Jamestown and Prudence Island, I had to basically sit down and scratch out the tour and like Newport, I did it as more of a loop. So you could start at one place and you do a loop around Mm -hmm. the waterfront, go up towards uh, the Viking tower come back and you're roughly about a block away from where you started, which is the White Horse Tavern. And it's the oldest tavern in the United States. Of course, it's haunted because it's in Rhode Island. Yeah. And of course, it's haunted because so many people go to that pub just to see and drink the spirits. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there are definitely, you can, you're guaranteed <laughs> to see spirits there. Of one sort or the other, most more likely behind the bar. So let me ask you, are you a believer or are you a skeptic or are you the kind of person that says, I don't know, I'm still sitting on the fence when it comes to ghosts? It's one of those things where, like, when I was writing the book, mm-hmm. some of them, some of the stories I came across were, like, a little bit Out too there? detailed, yeah. a little bit too dramatic. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to write this one, you know. Um, there was one that I really liked about Newport, and it was essentially the chief of police of Newport. I forgot the exact year. What he did was he actually assigned two police officers to sit in one of his houses that he owned, like a rental house. And essentially what happened was there was somebody knocking on the woodwork. And to my knowledge, they never caught the ghost. That one, yeah, I tend to believe maybe it's a ghost. It could also be bad piping it could be and this kind of goes back to what we were saying before why i think ghost stories are so popular because there's a debate for them yeah. it's, at the time was the house occupied there was oh wow it was actually the tenants of the house complained to the owner who was the chief of police who turned around and assigned the two police officers and there's a good use of the taxpayer's money, having two cops sit in exactly. the house waiting for a ghost. Listen, you and I have to take a break, my friend. Please stand by. Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Thank Places you. in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And it's published by our good friends at SchifferBooks.com. And if you'd like to, uh, I am Rob McConnell. This is The X-Zone. And Charles Harrington and I will be back as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology right here from our broadcast center, which is not haunted, here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back, everyone. Charles Harrington is my special guest. In fact, uh, during the break, we played a little soundbite to hear what uh, Craig was uh, coming back with uh, when we come back out of the commercial break. And uh, Charles so aptly nailed it. The ghosts of Disco's past. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a great one, Charles. And then, of course, you know, I just had to spoil it by saying maybe we should do a Christmas show with that. And Charles, you said... I said Santa Claus can pop on out with his polyester leisure suit, and we're all set. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Exo Nation, Charles is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. It's available from our good friends at Schiffer Press. Um, Charles, could you take us on one of the shortest, shortest tours that you give in your book? You know, yeah, just, I could do that. Yeah, just a little um, walkthrough. 
So probably the shortest one is probably going to be Jamestown. Okay. And it's um, it's a small town. It's often overlooked, unfortunately, because it's right across the bay from Newport. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the summer, there's actually a very little ferry that runs from Newport over to Jamestown. And what you do, it does, it drops you off right in the docks. And so, like, it's this beautiful pier area. You're going to see, like, commercial fishing boats tied up alongside, like, a multi-million dollar yacht during the summer. And in the winter, of course, it's the summer community, so everything dies down a little bit. And there used to be a lot of um, hotels and inns over there. But going back into the history, what happened was they had these very large ferries that would go back and forth on a daily basis, regularly, you know, multiple times a day. And when they built the Newport Bridge, it connected it to the island, and the ferry service gradually just died off. So when the ferry service died off, mm-hmm. the bridge connected to Jamestown. There was another bridge on the other side, so people quite often would just cut straight across. They wouldn't even stop in Jamestown. So the inns kind of like badly died. And um, what they did was they, they tore them down. It, then, oddly enough, somebody rebuilt one of the uh, condominium complex that looked like one of the old hotels. And that's what Greece is like, get off the boat if you're taking the ferry over. And you walk around, there's a great little seafood restaurant right on the waterfront there, um, obviously fresh. Uh, there's a great little um, liquor store with... You go right in the back of it, they have like all these specialty cheeses and imported cold cuts. And um, it's a little bit on the pricey side. I mean, it's well worth it. Uh, so it's a good place to pick up a little snack. Then you basically cross the road, you start mm-hmm. walking up, and you go by like a nice little cafe called the Narragansett Cafe. It's actually more of a bar. Um, it's going, it's an old, like stone wooden floor actually had a, like, I think it was a shuffleboard up against one wall. And you just go in there, grab like some good old fashioned pub food. If you want, it's kind of diagonally across the street from the old uh, Jamestown fire station. And in the summer, they actually have like a small little firehouse museum, like they're showing off the old engines. Um, Further down, there is the one and the only, the Philomenian Library of Jamestown. Although I think it's actually the Jamestown Philomenian Library. Um, And they're quite blunt about it. They've come out and just said, yeah, we made up the term Philomenian. (laughs) They just like the way it sounds. Well, it does have a kind of neat sound. I would imagine it sounds very different when people are filled with spirits. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you... Stop off, grab a pint or two, go on down, and you'll be amazed how wonderful Philomenian sounds when you're drunk. Philomenian. Silo. There you go. But uh, perhaps like the most haunted region in Jamestown, though, is Fort Wetherill. And that's on the um, southern tip of the island. And it's actually Jamestown's on Connecticut Island. And what it is, is that it's this old fort that goes back centuries, literally. And this is where the demon dog from Hades has been chasing people for centuries. There have been reports of it chasing British soldiers back in the American Revolution. Um, During the late 19th, early 20th century, uh, the U.S. Army and the U.S. Navy built up the area. It was like this large fortification built right down the bottom, coastal guns, bunkers. Um, and when eventually U.S. Navy left in the 70s, they could, the, well, the Navy is still there, but, I mean, when they left Fort Wetherill, so, I mean, when I say still there, they're still in Newport, but um, when they left Fort Wetherill, they had nothing to do, they couldn't do anything with these bunkers. They were just so hardened, you couldn't demolish them. So, 
Yeah, it, it's been turned into a bit of a park. And they did put steel doors over the, you know, all the entrances going into the bunkers. And, of course, you know, some very nice people have ripped them apart. So you can now go into the corridors of these bunkers. It's not advised. Uh, the floor's been ripped up as well. It's very uneven. But, of course, people go in there. And uh, people have reported still being chased by this large black dog with glowing red eyes. Uh, when I was down there, the closest thing I was saw was this little beagle that decided I was his friend and came running up to me. But that was about it. I didn't see the demon dog of Fort Wetherill. Maybe the poor demon dog passed on and went to the happy hunting ground. Maybe it saw the light. It could be that. See that, or somebody smucked it. Saw the light at the end of the tunnel and just yeah, 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 or or somebody leaving the pub after having a little bit too much to drink, trying to say Philo got behind the wheel of the car and hit the damn dog. (laughs) You never know these days, do you? Okay, so so where do we go from there? Uh, From there, that's um, that's pretty much Jamestown, and there is the Beaver Tail Lighthouse. The Beaver Tail Lighthouse, and that is. Yes. Hmm. It's basically, Connecticut Island is two large islands connected by one very narrow isthmus. And the uh, lighthouse is at the very southern tip of the whole landmass. What this does is that uh, basically it was guiding ships that were coming in. And still there. It's still in operation. Of course, it's been uh, taken over by the U.S. Coast Guard. No, the U.S. Coast Guard has a radio navigation beacon there. And the lighthouse itself is, I want to say, semi-private now. But I have to double-check my notes. Hmm. But um, that's um, this is also where I personally think the, the Viking colony of Norumbega might be. Now, why do you say that? that I was going to ask you about that because uh, I'm very... I'm I'm very uh, interested in the Vikings, especially since, you know, everybody credits Christopher Columbus with discovering America, and, and anybody who's ever gone to school and actually learned anything to know that the Vikings were here way before Columbus. Hmm. It's basically, there's a gentleman who wrote a book um, back in the 1900s. I'm just actually pulling it. Let's see. Where is that now? There we go. Defense of Norumbega. It was written by a gentleman named Eben Norton Horsford. And it was published in 1891. Um, basically, he described Norumbega as being like on this island surrounded by water on two sides. You could sail up the uh, bay. There was this large waterfall further up the bay. That waterfall kind of resembles, you know, in print, um, the Quickishon waterfalls from Fall River, Fall River, Massachusetts. Now, in Fall River, Massachusetts, it was actually a skeleton and armor that was found as well back in the 1800s. And the armor allegedly was like, it wasn't, it, it just seemed really odd. It didn't seem to be English. It might have been Spanish. Some people theorized it might have been Viking. And in the Jamestown Philomenian Library, they actually have some armor as well, well, brass plates, that kind of resemble armor. And they found it on the island. So that's kind of like, I mean, there's been a couple of scattered pieces of evidence in the area that kind of point towards the Vikings. And just the description of Norm Baker in the book, The Defense mm-hmm. of Norm Baker. I kind of think of this might be it. Wow. So is it safe to say then, based on, on the research that you've done, that the Vikings mm. actually um, colonized the, the area of uh, Rhode Island? I wouldn't say 100%. That's it's my theory. Okay. Um, you know, I wouldn't, 
I, I wouldn't go out and write an entire book just on that. And, and I mean, I'm not as adamant about this as a lot of people are. Um, I think it's a very strong possibility. And while I was researching the book, I did come across a reference to a tribe that nobody had a name for. They were very good with stone cutting and everything else. And I'm thinking like, okay, there's a possibility of maybe it was a Viking ship got blown off course. Maybe it, you know, beached itself in this area. Um, you know, if, you know, maybe 15, 20 sailors jumped off the boat, they couldn't make it back or they just decided to stay here. You know, maybe they made a go for it. And perhaps, you know, sadly, they might have just died. And, you know, history, the history of this little expedition died with them. There's a possibility of that. Wow. History is so rich. Do you think that, that we honor history enough as as time progresses? Or do you, like me, find that the the historical values of cities, towns, country... Uh, monuments, buildings—it seem they seem to lose their their importance in today's technological age. And and to hear somebody like you discussing what you're discussing and and how you take pride in the rich history—it's wow! It's a welcome change. Oh, thank you. I I think it is kind of sadly being forgotten. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was another reason why I wanted to write this guidebook. Is more a case of like trying to get people to go out and walk around and enjoy history. And um, I didn't want to write a, you know, straight up ghost tour. I wanted to write something a little bit different, you know, like, Hey, you know what? Here's a haunted tavern. Right. It's right next to a old baseball field where people still play baseball tonight. And it just happens to be right across the street from where there was a lot of rum running in the 1920s. So it's just kind of like introducing people to the very, you know, eclectic history of a region. Yes, I mean, cover baseball, least, yeah. cover rum running, cover sure. ghosts of the American Revolution. And you can do all that in like maybe a half mile stretch. All right, stand by. We have to take our final inning stretch here in the X-Zone. Charles Harrington mm-hmm. is our special guest, X-Zone Nation. He is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And we'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. 
Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Charles Harrington is our special guest this hour. We're talking about his book, Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And it's available on Amazon.com as well as uh, on the website of our friends at Schiffer Books at www.schifferbooks.com. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to get a hold of Fathom the Half Deer, Half Goat. <laughs> I, I am too. I can come up with a few explanations on my own, uh, like you right. either had a horny goat or a horny deer, <laughs> and they just wanted to buck around. And that was pretty bad, I know. Uh, but okay, so 
It's, it sounds like the. You know, do, you re, do you remember the? Uh, I forget what show it was on, but they also they always had a, a jackalope, a jackrabbit oh. crossed with an antelope. Oh, what was that? It was really good. We both remember the title. No problems. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you? How do you? How do you, as a historian, as a teacher, as a person mm. who does? Serious travel guides. When you hear of a jackalope, I'm sorry, I have a uh, uh, what the a heck? Dote. A dote. A dote. A dote. It sounds like uh, what's one on one, and the guy goes dote. Um, <laughs> or what was that your wife said to you the other day when you came home drunk? Dote. It almost sounds dope. like something you'd hear on The Simpsons. It does. Yeah, yeah. actually, it sounds like Homer Simpson. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, so how do you? Is there any reason, is there any rhyme that, that you've found during your research that, that would indicate that this is actually something that has been seen, or is this just another myth that enriches the local history? Now, this actually was seen, and this was one of the weird things. I was actually sitting, when I was back in college, I was sitting in college library at Roger Williams. I picked up a newspaper, and this is like emblazoned on the front page of the newspaper. And I think it was the Bristol Phoenix. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I'm, I read the article, and I'm like, wow, this is just so weird. And then I read Prudence Island. I'm like, I've got to go out there. Hmm. So me being the good college student that I am, I played hooky and went out to go try finding this dilt one day. Right. And um, the article was a really well-written article. Yeah. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it, he was quoted in the article as saying that very likely it might be just a miniature deer. So imagine yeah. just like a a really short miniature deer. But a lot of people say it resembled a goat at some point. And so, I mean, again, this is one of those things where you can sit back and you can have a fun discussion on, mm-hmm. you know, what this was, you know. But kind of lean towards the probably miniature deer yeah so so would i because you know i i've certainly seen miniature deer and Mm. how how anybody could ever kind of uh think it looks like a dude is is beyond me a dude mind you it depends on how many how many spirits they had in the pub on the way home i guess i was gonna say uh it's uh prudence island is actually a rather unique little community because Mm. Uh, they have very little infrastructure. Um, they still don't have an ATM out there, to my knowledge. Wow. And there's just like the little general store and, you know, so any, any spirits must have been like brought over on the boat or, mm-hmm. you know, homemade. And the homemade you know, variety could probably lead to a lot of sightings. I would imagine so. I certainly would imagine <laughs> so. Um What is your next project? Are you are you going to be doing more paranormal books? Or are you going to be getting back into mainstream tourism? Um, the next book I'm actually working on now, I was um, just speaking with somebody at Schiffer about it um, maybe about three or four weeks ago. I'm still waiting for the okay, mm-hmm. but I'm uh, starting the research now. Um, just basically more spots off the beaten path. So kind of like... Um, I was just down in Westerly, Rhode Island, um, just a couple of weeks ago. And it was like beautiful little town that just seems to be completely forgotten. And it looks like it was an old stagecoach town. And, you know, people have this image of a stagecoach out in the West, but they forget that stagecoaches were actually pretty common in New England for a while. And there's a brewery up there and mm-hmm. you know this gorgeous library with uh history is basically it was built as like a vfw hall almost so um i think like basically more you know places like that just a lot of places that sadly people forget about so when you write a book about uh the these places that are you know uh off the off the main off the main trail or whatever. How do the people feel who are off the main road who wanted to get away from uh, the, uh, you know, the the everyday 
traffic of, of hikers and those who want to take the, up to the trail that now there's an author like yourself who's spilling all the beans. I have actually, I haven't had any negative experiences. Um, one experience that jumps to mind was this small little distillery in a village called Yagyu, Japan. Right. And I went in after a long hike, and it's at the very end of a trail. And went in one day, and I'm, like started chatting with the lady behind the counter. I, you know, she was offering free samples of sake, and I'm like, of course, I will have some. <laughs> Uh, Wait a, a second, hold on, bottles. hold on here, hold on here. Yeah. It seems that wherever you go, there's booze. Yeah, it is. I'm All right. Writer, writer, you know. Hey, you and I got to hang out one day. <laughs> we got to do that. We'll exchange stories. <laughs> we'll, look for the, we we'll look for the dote. Either that or we'll, we'll, create, for the... we'll create our own dote. We'll make our own dote. There you go. You go looking for the bucking dote, you know. <laughs> Oh, uh, if we could be dangerous together, my friend. So, so before I so rudely interrupted you, uh, you were at this mm. restaurant getting free samples of sake. Oh, it was a distillery. They're actually they made the sake. Yeah, they made wow. the sake in back and at a little storefront. And I asked the woman, you know, hey, do you, you know, I said, hey, I'm writing for a magazine. Do you yeah. mind if I mention your, you know, distillery? And next thing I know, I'm getting a tour of the whole process and. Woman is explaining everything to me in Japanese, and I'm like making out probably every fifth or sixth word because she's going into the technical details of how to distill alcohol. And I'm like, I, I just imagine I did look like that deer on the headlights at some point because I'm like, oh, okay, I understood water, <laughs> and oh, that's rice. I know that word now. Yes. So, um, but I mean, she was exceptionally pleasant, and that's been the reaction I've gotten from a lot of people when I um, go off to these places. Wow. Well, no matter what you do, my friend, I wish you much success. And um, how, how do you celebrate Halloween in uh, Rhode Island? Actually, I'm right across the border in Massachusetts. Ah, but, that's that's um, why you're picking so on I'm Rhode like, Island, yeah? Yeah. Basically what it is is I'm like roughly... Right now, I'm roughly about a mile and a half from the Rhode Island border. Um, so, I mean, like, southeastern New England. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, I'll probably end up, um, big surprise, I'll probably end up at a bar. Yeah. You know, um, I, I learned something the other day that I will never forget. We're going over to my daughter's house for Halloween. Ah, oh, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Thanksgiving is the onset of fall festivities, food, pumpkins, yeah. and so on. I had in my drawer a brand new orange T-shirt I hadn't worn yet. I was saving it for a special occasion. I never knew okay. what that special occasion was because I hope it never came because I really didn't like the shirt. <laughs> so my wife says to me, why don't you wear this to Thanksgiving dinner? Mm. And I'm saying, you got to be kidding. Well, I was thinking a lot worse, but that's what came out because I've learned over the many years we've been married to put that filter in place. And... Mm. You know, I said, okay, makes her happy, makes my life easy. Uh, so we get into, walk into my daughter's house, and she says, oh, my God, Dad, you're the great pumpkin. <laughs> so I just looked at my wife, and she said, oh, I, I still like it on you. They're only kidding. When you're six foot five, and somebody <laughs> says you look like the great pumpkin wearing a T-shirt that is orange, you can't take them for any other way but being serious. Yep. So I, I promised myself, when my wife suggests I wear something to the family dinner, I will say no. <laughs> now, I wouldn't mind wearing that T-shirt going up to a pub with you on Halloween because I think it would be really cool. Like mm. that, That's what it's meant for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know you're saying. Yeah. Um... I mean, leading up to Halloween, I'm actually, there were a few people at work. Mm -hmm. um, they were talking about going into the Freetown State Forest, which is like allegedly the most haunted forest in Massachusetts. Wow. Um, so probably going into the forest at some point during the day because, you know, I'm not, not that crazy or not that drunk at the moment. 
He said you know, at but, this moment, uh, yeah. At this moment, yeah. you know. Well, hey, listen, buddy, you and I have to say so long for tonight. It's been great having you with us. Love to have you back on in the future. And uh, continued success. And to you and yours, happy Halloween. And I hope you do not get a stiff stiff elbow enjoying your Halloween festivities. I will do my best, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on. You take care of yourself. (laughs) Exo Nation, my guest this hour has been Charles Harrington. We've been talking about his book, that has all these great haunted locations in uh, in Rhode Island. It's got maps. It's a do-it-yourselfer, and that's what makes it so special. Guide to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. My name is Rob McConnell. I'll be back after this break. Whatever you do, don't go away.